has left the conference. Hey there. I'm just having a little challenge with the technology here. So just give me one moment. Get it worked out. Here we go. All right. Ah, technology is my friend. <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy to be with you. Happy Ascension Pathway. Yes, we are diving deeply. And I wish you all were here with me in North Carolina. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. But let's begin with that prayer. So we take that breath of love and gratitude together and Become so supremely grateful and thankful that love is all that there is. Love is all that we are. Grateful and thankful to open our heart and our mind to infinite intelligence, divine love leading us and guiding us. So grateful to open ourselves to the unlimited, to the unprecedented. So grateful to consciously choose to be on a path of awakening, a path of healing. So grateful and so thankful to allow ourselves to make our ascension in the light. I declare that we are worthy of our ascension in the light. I declare that we are willing. And so we're placing on the holy altar fire of divine love any thought that is opposing our ascension pathway. We call for all manner of assistance, divine guidance, and support in raising our vibration, in moving through the initiations on this pathway of light. We are grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds to an ascended master healing, a miraculous healing. We're calling it forth, we're accepting it, we're allowing it to be. We are grateful and we are thankful to know that right where we are, the fullness of love is now and forevermore. In gratitude, we shine and share our light. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Hmm. So I'll just mention briefly that it is quite wonderful to be here in North Carolina. This is a spectacular retreat center. It's just a wonderful venue for us to do our healing work. And uh, we're um, in the 
last half of the spiritual counseling training intensive, which has just been so wonderful, so, so wonderful. And we have um, Carla and Peter and Angela who are in this class with us, and that's pretty wonderful. We have Linda and Philip from the Year 3 class, and we have uh, Lori and... Uh, oh, not thinking of it now. It's all Masterful Living students, and Phil Rigo, uh, some of you have had as a prayer partner, so it's just been... Uh, a wonderful opportunity to gather together. It's really been great and a lot of healing going on. And uh, it's been so wonderful that I've decided that I'm definitely going to go ahead and do another one in Thailand in November. So I'm also going to be, uh, I'm looking to do a retreat I'm calling Extreme Self-Love and Pampering in Thailand in November also. So just FYI, giving you a heads up on those things. And so, and we certified, uh, Power of Love Ministry has certified our first spiritual counselor, and that's Rainbow Weldon, who is in the year two class. So uh, after this week, there are going to be quite a number of uh, wonderful folks that will be looking to get certified. So they're going to be doing... They have 111 practice sessions to complete. So they'll be offering sessions on a love offering basis, and I hope you'll uh, make use of that and get all the benefit from it. So that said, let us move on. So in our last class, uh, we were talking about the initiations of the second temple. So the first temple being the temple of divine will and the second being uh, divine wisdom. And before we move on to the third, I think it's worth going back here to the second temple uh, and to... There's one aspect here, as we were talking about, that it says here in the Sacred Flames, and it's page 98 in the Sacred Flames book, that when we're going through the initiation of the second temple is when we're bringing our skills to be truly masterful. And it says, the teacher becomes eloquent in conveying knowledge to his students. The artist develops his skills. The musician develops dexterity in his musical accomplishments. And it's the time of understanding the law of cause and effect and all other universal laws. It is a pleasant and happy time of sowing the seeds of breathing life upon those seeds and bringing in a harvest of work bringing in a harvest of work. So it's a time when uh, our mind is really opening up to an awareness of the truth, where it's less of a mystery and it's more of we're really getting it. And so we can look at our life and just see, are we in that phase of that second ray initiation? 
you know, it can be helpful as long as we're not attached to just seeing where we are in this initiative process. So first, Ray requires us to have real discipline and to be more interested in being in service to the light than other things. And then that necessarily lays a foundation for our awareness to open up and have a greater understanding of the truth, to really be getting it. I remember, I hope you don't mind me sharing, Lawrence, I remember uh, at the end of year one, one of the most wonderful things I ever heard somebody say about Masterful Living was you said that prior to Masterful Living, you were having ahas on a regular basis, but from doing the work in Masterful Living, you noticed that your ahas didn't fade away. You got to keep them. So that's a sense there of really being in that second ray initiation phase, that you're keeping your ahas, you're able to really hold on to your insights and apply them and really own them. Being that you're remembering your true identity. So I'm going to unmute us all now and take us into that interactive mode. So uh, if you're on the phone or, just to, or Skype, to be mindful that you may need to self-mute. Here we go, interactive. Carla, I'm just going to self-mute you there for a second. Um, There's some noise on your line. Yeah. Has anybody had any ahas or insights about the first and second initiations in the I noticed Karen has been saying, uh, Karen Carruthers has been saying that she noticed, she feels like she's made it to a tipping point where things have gotten a lot much easier. And she's definitely, she and Rich have been in a lot of initiation with their family and with their daughter's experience, their whole family's experience of their daughter's uh, cancer. So these experiences of deep, intensive challenges are what give us that opportunity to deeply practice and keep our commitments. They can seem so challenging. It can be hard to recognize that they are such a blessing. Rev, this is Jesse. Hey, Jesse. How are you? Sounds like you're doing great in North Carolina. It's awesome to hear. Yes. Beautiful. Sending love and light to you. Thank um, you. I've been contemplating um, 
moving through all of these experiences, these healing experiences and purifying experiences, the purification process, um, with a sense of playfulness and joyfulness. Um, I realized I had a real story going on that it had to be, you know, almost like dramatic or painful or really like gut-wrenching in order to be a real challenge. <laughs> and what my experience was, and sometimes it, it definitely felt like that, but what my experience was, um, was that my the process of healing, the process of peeling off layers, you know, quieting the mind, aligning with truth, um, really implementing the tools and practices that I've been picking up on this path, I was feeling so overwhelmed and almost like that. It's almost like that romanticizing the warrior. You know what I mean? Like I'm a spiritual warrior and, you know, I have to be so disciplined. And But I feel like I had an idea of discipline being without much humor or light. And I was like, you know, I've done that. I've played that. And uh, it's not much fun. And I'm really interested in allowing this to be a joyful experience, especially people-pleasing, especially, um, like, healing codependent relationships and um, learning to be very loving with, uh, you know, feeling empathic, you know, and but not allowing my uh, empathic nature to lead to you know, dysfunctional or, uh, what did you say it's like dysfunctional compassion? Something to that extent. Um, and so yeah. I've just been really, yeah, so I've just been really like um, asking myself and really checking with myself on how do I allow all healing to be joyful? How can I let this process be joyful and fun? Like people, healing people pleasing has become so fun and in that, it doesn't feel like such an arduous process. It's been something that I've been um, very much enjoying, the experience of doing this work. And it feels like, um, I don't know. I mean, I have to actually get over this experience of feeling like I'm doing it wrong, like I'm cheating because I'm having more fun and it doesn't feel like it's deep, deep, deep surrender, deep like, please, God, take it away. I offer it up. It's too painful. I can't. And turning into the, you know, all right, let's do this, buddy, and having a more playful, loving relationship with my higher, holiest self, you know. Um, I've been thinking of, like, what's a nickname I could call my, my the Holy Spirit, you know, so I could really just have a playful, fun experience with this. And um, I have to tell you, it's only been a couple of weeks since I've been doing this divine experiment, but it has felt so freeing for me. And I realized it does get to be a joyful experience. It does get to be a fun process if I choose it to be. And it's um, just something I wanted to share at the group level that it feels like a, a lot of weight has been taken off my shoulders because I'm not taking it so damn seriously. That's all. Yeah, so I, I think that's huge. That's huge, and it feels to me that that is similar to what... Karen was saying, and uh, Karen Carruthers, I don't see them on the line right now, but um, this is extremely important because I, I feel the same way, and that is uh, 
just very, very similar, that it's no longer an arduous, uh, burdensome process. Um, and what I, I wonder, is anybody else feeling that way yet? <laughs> and if you're not, don't worry, just uh, know that it's coming. It's coming, so you can share um, uh, some people might be trying to raise their hands here. If you want to raise your hand, if you feel like it's gotten a whole lot easier and it doesn't feel arduous anymore, start to, if you'd like to. And it, it, don't judge yourself if it still feels arduous. Um, you know, there. I just think we all have our own unique path. Yeah, so a couple of people are raising their hands here. Um, great. Okay, I'm going to take us back to interactive here. Um, so let's start with you, Jesse, since you brought it up. Do you clearly see what you can attribute that to, that shift and change, that it just doesn't feel this burden, arduous, heavy thing so much anymore? Well, I think that it has a lot to do with my commitment to, you know, I think, well, I mean, honestly, I feel like I just reached a uh, point, I don't want to say a breaking point, breaking open point, uh, in which I just couldn't suffer anymore. And, um, and I was just getting so... I would be so upset with myself. I stopped judging myself for judging other people mm -hmm. because that was a big, uh, a big healing that needed to unfold for myself. Was I was judging myself for not being spiritual enough, and what I realized was it was such innocence in all of it. There's so much innocence in all of it because we're just peeling off the layers of illusion, you know, and within all of that. It's just misperception, and it's not good, it's not bad, it's nothing, you know? And so when I was able to forgive myself, really forgive myself and practice, you know, really develop a uh, commitment to see the innocence in others and then just see the innocence in myself and what I was doing, then it didn't feel like it was such a bad thing. And when I took the judgment away from it being a bad thing, then I was able to hold it in a different light. And with that, um, sort of the brought in perspective, I began to understand that I get to choose how this is going to be. And why not choose for it to be fun? And um, because we're supposed to enjoy ourselves, right? And so I told you, I, I, I changed the way that I'm spelling enjoy. I'm, I'm spelling now I and apostrophe J-O-Y. Because God is joy. And so I was like, I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to be doing everything in God. And my, sort of my GPS, you know, my green light is what feels joyful. If it doesn't feel joyful, what can I, what am I believing that isn't true? What can I shift? What can I release? What can I place on the altar so I can free myself, so I can, you know, be aligned with God's will, which is my perfect happiness. So I stopped um, holding myself responsible for everybody's happiness. <laughs> and 
I took full responsibility for my own part. How am I showing up? And um, it, it was just, you know, a process of inquiry, a process of contemplation, a process of surrender and uh, practice. And it just seems like the lows began to lighten, you know. And I think it's the more that I became less, uh, the, 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 the more I stopped believing my belief systems, believing my beliefs, um, the easier it became. And I'm not sure if I clearly answered that question, but that was just sort of my process as I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Great insight. So we've got a few other people who raised their hands. Do you have anything that you would like to add to that? What Jesse shared and your own experience of it's gotten a whole lot easier. What you, if you have any precise things that you can say, you you really attribute it to. Rev, it's Jesse. There's one more thing I forgot that's really sort of important. Um, uh, I started questioning, like, uh, like broad, like the stories. Like, um, I asked myself, where did I get the story that this needs to be? Like, this has to look a certain way. You know, that this practice has to look a certain way. Where did I get the story that, like, certain foods are gonna are more spiritual? What was that? Where did that story get developed? What was the story that, like? this amount of sleep is good and this amount of sleep is bad. And I started to ask myself, where were all these stories felt from? And I know that if I choose to believe them, then they're going to be true for me. So what if I just stopped believing them and started to really get a clear perception for myself? And then after that, that was like when the door really opened and it became a lot more fun because there were so many like absolutes that I realized are absolutely not absolute. They're just stories, and so I don't have to take them on. And just realizing that really helped me um, to sort of take off. And that, that was it. Yes, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Kazi, were you going to share something? Yeah, this is yeah, this is Kazi. Thank you. Um, yeah, what I hear and what Jesse's sharing right now, or what it, it triggered in me, is really having that willingness to do the work and just whatever is coming up. Um, and sometimes I can feel the resistance, but then if I just let that be and have the willingness, it's become a lot easier. Um, and and also to remember that everything is happening for my highest. That somebody planned it for my own good. And if I really hold on to that. It's like mm-hmm. it just kind of lets me relax into it more and be with it. And then it really evolves much quicker. So I think those two things, willingness and, and really holding on to that belief in those challenging moments, because they still come up. It's not that they don't come up, but um, they seem to um, resolve quicker. And mm-hmm. I learn, you know, I really um, do the divine experiment lots of times, and it just keeps proving God in my life. And it comes, it happens quicker, and it's more easeful. And when things come up, are they as painful as they used to be? Uh, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. <laughs> I mean, um, if it's really something that's fair, you know, like if I really am holding on to the story, like Jesse was talking about, or the meaning I've put to, you know, made of it, uh, depending on that, that's what I've been noticing lately. I mean, I, I brought up um, 
recently in the Sacred Circle about the political situation, and, and I could just mm-hmm. see how I was so solidified in that. And finally, I mean, with your help and just keep going back again and again and giving it up, it's like, why am I, you know, like, this is a choice. <laughs> and why are you choosing this? I'm, 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 don't want that. I don't. I'm not interested in that anymore. That's painful, and it's like, and it's, it's just false belief. It's just choosing falsely. Yes, and I'm so glad you brought up Kazi the political question that you had brought up in uh, Sacred Circle, because uh, I I really get that this is worth just taking a couple of minutes on. So, in my understanding of working with the teachings of Master Saint Germain and the Ascended Masters, everything does work together for our good. So even my understanding from the Ascended Masters is that even the experience of Hitler's rise and the devastation uh, as such a classic example of what seems really, really bad, is that also still serves the light. Right. It still serves the light by bringing things to the light. And so these kinds of, like, um, uh, and I, I obviously in class, I'm not interested in taking political sides. And I have definitely had, as I shared in, Sacred Circle this week, I have had that students in Masterful Living um, uh, uh, political beliefs who are diametrically opposed, even though they are both committed to the teachings of Masterful Living, they're both committed to the same results, more peace, more love, more joy in the world, but believing that different presidential candidates represent the fulfillment of their desire. So it's interesting that you can have people who are studying the same material, have the same values, think that two uh, very different political candidates would represent uh, the same, really. They're both looking to have more peace, more love, more joy, both students thinking that their candidate represents it and the other candidate represents the opposite. You know, that was the thing is, you know, the one student is telling me, you know, only Obama represents peaceful future and the other one saying Obama represents the opposite of a peaceful future. So it's what I've come to see is that the pendulum is always swinging. We're always learning and that everything is working together for our good and still it is our responsibility, our responsibility to look for the opportunity to energize the most love, the most compassion, the most peace, the most harmony because that's the thing that's always going to bring uh the healing that we desire. And so um, Yeah, that can I say something around I, yeah. I agree with that. I mean and I've I've and myself really found that, you know, we are all one, we're all connected. And so 
if I'm having an opposition to one or the other, what is that in me? What am I, you know, uh, what needs to come to the light for me to heal? You know, it, mm-hmm. like it isn't like, oh, it's over there mm-hmm. or it's outside. It's not, you know, I mean, and I'm really aware of that. And so it's really been healing to bring, you know, like because the other thing you said to me, which I'll share here because it might be for, helpful for other people, is to be very aware of like the meaning I'm making of it or what are those beliefs because those are like, wow, where, you know, like, and, and they're coming to the light to be healed. Indeed. I really have been working on that and it's really shifting me. Hey, Carla, you keep raising and lowering your hand and you can just jump in at some point. I would like to say one more thing. Um, uh, and maybe it is your intention to raise and lower your hand, uh, but um, I, I think you can just jump in. And um, so, one of the things that we were discussing recently while here at the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive is that since we're one with everyone and everything, how we hold things in our mind is going to affect all the situations and all the circumstances all over the world, and that we have the opportunity to hold the light. And uh, in our choosing to not look at anything as being bad, there is a healing. And to to claim everything unfolding as for our good, and to still be like, if the election were held today, probably most of us know who we would vote for, and we'd be voting for that person, I presume, because we think that that person is going to bring us the most loving future. So we don't have to make anyone else wrong. You know, and there are always in the world of effects, there are always people who present themselves like an affront to other people's values. People who are uh, actively seeking to push people's buttons, to draw attention to themselves, or to represent points of view that it's known that other people find offense at. So there are always people who, or there have been in the past, I'll correct that always and just say, it's always seemed to me. (laughs) It's that there are people who will be offensive at every opportunity. That's a role that they're playing to trigger people, to get them to look at what they truly believe. So people might say, oh, this candidate is the most loving candidate, the most likely to lead us into a loving future. And that one you know, is just a terrible, bad person. Well, the opportunity to lead us into the loving moment is now. And if we go to, and that was just a terrible, bad, ignorant person, then we're not creating the loving moment now. But imagine if you have candidates who seem to be uh, aggressively trying to offend people. If no one took offense, what would they do? What would they, would they not give up? They would. 
They would. It's like the story you've all heard me tell probably a couple of times about well, Michael Beckwith told me the story of the ministerial candidate in the class who would push everybody's buttons intentionally because he was looking for a rejection. And I actually saw a, a funny commentary that um, Stephen Colbert did where on, on Donald Trump he said, look, you know, I think Donald Trump just really needs love. He just wants to have us love and accept him. He's he's done all these things, you know, he's got all these products and all these things that he, he's constantly trying to get our attention and trying to get our love. You know, maybe if we just all loved him and let him know we love him, he would kind of sit down and get quiet and not need to be in our face all the time. Let's just love Donald Trump. And I thought the Holy Spirit is always speaking to us because there it is. So I just want to share that. And then Carla, would you like to share something? Can, am I clear? I thought I was muted. Nope, you're clear. Okay, good. Uh, I guess I had two things that came to me. One, <clears throat> I was I'm learning discipline. Uh, I. Like I, I think I spoke and I do a hokey book. I go in and out and in and out. But I've learned discipline because discipline, and I may have spoken of this before, but discipline used to be like seem like a punishment to me because that's what my mm. father seemed to do. Like discipline me, to punish me, to make force me to be a certain way, right? Mm. And and I realized that <clears throat> discipline. I, I, I reframed that with myself, but discipline is actually a loving thing. Like, a, a, in a way, I mean, a parent, my parents may have, but a parent would, would lovingly not let their child put their hand on the fire, right? Mm-hmm. They'd, 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 they'd do something to prevent that. And no way I could be, they could use discipline, but so I'm seeing discipline as, like a way to love myself, and I'm still learning this. And and two, I'm actually learning at this intensive, and I think it's been going on for a while, but I'm seeing it more clearly. How, in a way, the service when I and service to others, I sometimes I don't acknowledge my own joy when I when I but when I see it in someone else, when I see the aha. Or whatever, and or gratitude in someone else. I I it, it's helping me to 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 resonate with the oneness, I guess, but to really feel it in myself. When I see it in others, I'm like, mm, you know, ask myself questions. So, I, to me, service is really, and the thought of service, not that thought of it. Probably thinking is not really helpful, but. Um, just the feelings around that come, the joy I feel, um, it's just, I don't know, those are two things that come to me that have been mm-hmm. shifting recently. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can relate to all of those. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
And Mary Christine, I did mute you out because there was some noise on your line, so you can start too if you would like to share anything. All right. Yeah, go ahead. So I I don't know how this relates to anything. But I had an experience of someone's resurrection yesterday, and it was um, with someone who has been a friend and in relationship with me for over 10 years. And um, this person went into um, respiratory arrest and has been on a ventilator for a week. And yesterday... um, Yesterday was the day that was decided that she would we would let her go. And in all this process, I was one of the two people who were there when it was happening. And throughout the process, the whole week, it was I felt like I was being in service. Mm. And the day after the event when she was in the hospital, I went to visit her. And it was at that time that I felt her spirit going. <clears throat> and the days the days following, I really didn't feel much there except for a body. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the day before yesterday, I was wondering how I could be of the greatest service when this was occurring. For yesterday, the day the plan the plan to let her go, and so I did prepare through prayer, and I would get tips, and some prayer partners would suggest certain things you could do when you're in ICU that you can't normally do, like light a candle and things like that. So I got pictures off the internet of lit candles and different things, and brought them to the room, and I helped her dearest friend and partner um, in the process. And while this whole week was happening, there were moments of tears and things like that for me. And mostly it it just felt like being there for them. Mm. And it was most extraordinarily holy and all the nursing staff and whatever, there was a a really big respect for what we were doing in the process. Mm -hmm. And since this happened, this person, her name was Beverly, and she really did live most of her life in insanity. And throughout the 10 years, I was able to really look at insanity, my own insanity and and insanity of others who really couldn't couldn't be any other way, it appeared. Mm. And there was a, a real peace that has come over me. And I feel changed forever because of this experience. Mm. 
my heart is really open, although interestingly, throughout the whole process yesterday, I had a an extreme pain in the back of my heart. It's gone now. But I did for hours and hours, just this really extreme pain and I I just felt that it was probably my heart wanting to open. Yeah. I had judgments that what I was about to do to assist her, this is before I did it. I had some judgments that what I was doing was not good enough and I wasn't in as holy a space as I I could be because I, I like to do ceremony and there's a lot of ceremony that you just don't do in the hospital. And then one of my prayer partners, and God bless him, I'm so grateful for them, reminded me that, that I was good enough. And from just that reminder, it reminded me that, yes, I am good enough and that what I am doing is my intention and the actual actions that I take, as long as they're kind and loving, are all that were needed at the time. Yes. So, the door is now closed on that situation, and already I feel that other doors are opening up. Mm. And I trusted. I really trusted. Because my car, the transmission went out, having the money to do it, and this and that, and it just seemed like that was not important. Uh And it it just put it in its place that let God take care of that. You take care of what's in front of you, where you can really be of holy service. So I'm grateful for the experience. I don't regret the relationship. And I I did my forgiveness work for both actions and unkind words that I said over the years and unkind thoughts. And for those unkind thoughts that were directed towards me. And I feel a completion. And I do feel a, a large expansion. And I I really feel that now, um, because this situation is over, that I can open up myself more to the joy of the joy of just being present, just being alive. And that the things that come along that seem challenging are have less of an impact, less of a I'm more trust and faith. Yes. I've been very afraid to leave Los Angeles because I didn't know where to go. 
this is just not a good place for me. Seeing, seeing, seeing fresh air, breathing it, seeing animals and wildlife um, are really things that feed my soul. And being in places that are quieter. And now the fear is still a little bit there. It's just not there very much because I now feel that I'm on a roll of being God-led. That is a wonderful feeling. It's a comforting feeling. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the resurrection factor? I've never, I've helped other people pass before, but Mm -hmm. never were had to make a decision or I didn't make it myself. Mm-hmm. Two of us made the decision to to purposely let this person go. Mm-hmm. And that was a toughie. I hope I never experience it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like Saturday was the day that, last Saturday was the day that she was already resurrecting. Her spirit mm-hmm. was leaving, and um, there was a peace in her, and it was palpable. And this other person, her friend George, at one point when he was crying and talking to her, he said something about, I wish this was an illusion, that I would just wake up and this would not be happening. Mm -hmm. And as I had my hand on his back, I just knew that this is an illusion and therefore I'm not really sad that this person is making a transition and that I felt honored and privileged to be in the grace of so many um, invisibles that were guiding and helping. It felt very holy in there. It felt very holy the whole time for me. Um, I had a a picture of Mother Mary um, going through um, ascending. That was the picture that I I found and I picked. And it felt so appropriate. And I felt such a resonance with that, that as she was, that I am too. Because she being lifted up, I knew that I am being lifted up too. Mm-hmm. If you had a specific question, I might no. be able to. No, I, I appreciate your sharing the depth of your experience. I've been really struggling with sobriety the last few months. And since this occurs, 
I feel much more at peace with that too. Mm-hmm. That there was definitely there's karmic connection with this woman, definitely, and that um, the karma has been dissolved, resolved, transmuted, and I feel so much more peace about whatever is to happen in the future. And I'm doing my very best to not futurize. Mm-hmm. We can all hold for you that you find that beautiful place to live, that you are, that it's already there and you're being gently led and guided to it. Yes. And without prayer partners, I don't know what it would have looked like. It definitely, the reminders of who I really am when you go into fear or whatever, judgment, um, having, being reminded by my prayer partners, having them hold me in prayer just made it so much easier. The value of prayer partners cannot be estimated by me. Mm. And at the same time, praying for them and praying for everyone in Master of Living, especially. As my brothers and sisters who are on this journey, and as my prayers go forth to them, they're being lifted up. And as they are, I am even more even greater being lifted up. I really, truly know that in my heart. I want to say my heart mind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And I do want to say something about the political process. That first Gulf War, I, I was so upset because here we were going to war again and Vietnam was still not over for me because my brothers were coming back, had come back and there was lots of pain and anger on on every side and in order to stay sane, I had to come to a, a, a new way of thinking and then when the second one came along, by then I really felt that no matter who was up there and after Bush got elected, all I could do was to give them love because to do anything else made me crazy. And there was a knowing that we are on a path, as a country, we're on a path, and that the old ways are are dissolving, they're falling apart. As... Mm -hmm. Michael Beckwith would always say, we're birthing a new world. And the growing pains, the, the labor pains, are, can be very extreme. And no matter what it looks like, we hold the ideal. And so this time around, I don't see anything great coming out of this election as far as direction of the country and a leader. Although... I do feel that there are more people in this country and around the world who are 
upholding the ideal. And that's what I could do. Yes, holding the ideal, energizing the ideal, that's how we yes. see the the brightness of the future. You know, in in some ways, Mary Christine, some ways it's like this. Um, that we see someone who is struggling with, could be an addiction or something like that, some form of um, suppressing their true identity. And to we can look at that. Uh, whether it's negativity, whether it's bigotry, whether it's um, addiction, however they're suppressing their true identity, that when it's the appearances that is very fierce, we can know that the breakthrough, the storm is almost over. You know, that's why we say it's always darkest before the dawn. And don't give up five minutes before the miracle happens. Exactly. So the way I look at it is whoever is elected president, that the the things that don't serve us are going to come to the light more quickly, more easily, and that people will recognize, <laughs> oh, that's a lot of noise. Uh, you just have to self-mute if you're going to blow your nose. I'm sorry, I thought I did. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so, uh, the, that, and that's our job as light workers is to hold that regardless of what the outcome is, it is the best for everyone. It can't be any other way. And so we're calling forth more peace, more love, more joy. Um, you know, I'll say personally that when George W. was elected the last time, I just, I really thought, well, that pendulum is going to swing a long way. If it's swung this way, it's got to come all the way back. And it it came back to having an African-American president and a whole different um, look and feel to things. So it did swing. Sometimes that's how we choose to learn as a group. Remember, contrast is what the major learning modality in this world, in this particular world. Contrast is our major learning modality. And so, however it goes, we will discover more peace, more love, more joy. And so I, I just think it's so vital that we not hold any candidate as being wrong or bad. That feeds the energy of some of them. They're hoping for that kind of vitriol to be directed towards them. They're they're poking and poking to get it. And it feeds their fire. It riles people up. That's their strategy. So I see that whichever way it goes this time, that the the major 
challenge I have is to um, is the thought of more war and more death and more of our brothers and sisters going into war, no matter which one gets it. And um, that there is the one big challenge to allow allow that to be all right. That if that's the way it goes, to allow it to be okay. I see it more mm-hmm. also here in the, the militarization of the police department and the very large death toll of of citizens by the police. And to that's the other challenge, to just see the peace in the situation, the peace in the hearts of the so-called perpetrators and in the, the, the people that were offended, perpetrated against. There is the challenge for me, to see that as holy. Indeed. Rev, mm-hmm. may I ask may I ask your advice on something as in alignment with uh, this conversation? Uh, no, honey, Reverend Jennifer, my husband's in the other room. He thought I wanted his advice. Um, I've I've had his advice. <laughs> um, so this year is the first year that Inspire is has paid to get a booth at Gay Pride LA and also um to march in the parade. Mm-hmm. But this last week uh, a couple of the members of Inspire began a very public boycott that caught on like fire because they felt that certain members of the community were being underserved. And they would cut events for the lesbian. The big lesbian event was cut like in half, and the trans event was cut in half. And the price of tickets um, went up 40%, and they decided to make it a music festival to focus on millennials. And, like, small businesses can't have booths at the um, at the festival now, and they doubled the price of booths for nonprofits and doubled the price to march in the parade. And so it's become very... It feels as though the essence of what pride is is sort of being shelved, and it's now turned into a money-making music festival. So um, a group of people, a specific organization, took a stand against that and started a boycott called Not My Pride. And within a week, it sort of caught fire. And a lot of small businesses and other organizations are joining this because uh, they're taking a stand um, and what, what they're doing is they're taking a stand against Christopher Street West. Now, I know uh, through my own experiences and through having advice, like, what can we take a stand for, not against? But this Sunday, I've called a community meeting to discuss um, what the boycott is about and um, to see what the general consciousness of the community is around it to see how we'd like to participate. Do we want to pull out our booth? Do we not want to march? How do we do that? And um, I think my what advice I would like from you um, or suggestions is how do I hold a container for the community without putting necessarily my opinion into it? Because I'm trying to cut the cords 
of it because I know like 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 anything like if it's then perhaps this is the pendulum that will swing the other way to inspire more of a grounding experience and a heartfelt visionary experience for the gay community um so I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I understand what the boycott is about, and yet I want to be a <clears throat> I want to be an effective and loving leader within the community, and I know that there are people that feel both ways. And so how do you suggest to hold a intentional loving container without sort of projecting your own opinion into it? Well, one is to not have any opinion. Uh-huh, yeah. To eliminate your own opinions and to recognize that opinions don't serve you. So that's that. Now, the main thing with anything, and you already know this, but uh, it's about energizing what you would like. So what what's happening, you're saying, is that there's a reaction that's happening where people are saying, we don't like that. Are right. they also saying what they'd like? Yes. They are. Yes, yes. They've definitely been in very open communication with the board of directors of Christopher Street West that promote that put on the uh, Pride Parade. Mm-hmm. And I think their experience has been that they were sort of brushed aside a little bit, not really taken seriously until now. Uh, And what they were offered as compromise wasn't sufficient enough. And so they declined uh, sort of the handouts that the, the board of directors came back with and decided to continue with the boycott. So you, as the leader of the Inspire community, just like anybody who might be the leader of their family or the leader of uh, their office or the leader of anything, you're you're a leader, if you're living this life of love that we're living, you're choosing a life of leadership. We're getting a lot of background noise on your line, Jesse. Huh. I don't know what that is, except it might be my headset. Hold on. It just sounded like people were moving around, and uh, so that's better. Thank you. So as the leader, it's so important to demonstrate what you're teaching. So to demonstrate what you're teaching in this sense really seems like to be clear that the choices you're making and that you're leading your community to make are inspired by what you'd like and what you're expanding into what your desires are for more peace, more love, more joy. And so the choices you're making are to bring that. And if the conversation turns towards what you don't like, you you can diminish that conversation and say, well, let's focus on what we'd like rather than what we don't like because that's how the healing happens. And there's actually not a need to focus a whole lot on what you don't like anyway, I think, particularly with something like this. So, and that's where Inspire, if you're vocal in this uh, new group that's formed, you can have a really beneficial impact to help them focus on what they like. 
Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. you can use it. Yeah, you can use it as a teaching point for your congregation. That that's how you handle yep. these things. And yeah, it's the same thing with the election. Rather than focusing on what you don't like, focus on what you do. Mm-hmm. Because I also those, those magical living students who were so afraid that their candidate would not win. They were focused on judging the other candidate. They were focused on thinking, if that candidate wins, I will be forced to live in a world I don't like. But that's never true. So, you were going to say? I encourage, well, for just for the election conversation, I really got clear guidance that um, it's so important to pray for all of the candidates' happiness. I mean, perfect happiness and joy, because if they're in alignment with perfect, true happiness, then they must create from a space of love. Exactly. And so the the um, spectrum has to shift. Right. That's all. Love is the only blessing that there is. Love is what we are. So when we bless anyone, it's going to call forth an expansion of love. And so we can bless everyone involved. So going back to the seven sacred flames and the initiation and going back to what Carla was sharing about, uh, you could say, bridling against discipline or, or you know, uh, feeling resistance or reluctance or dislike of feeling uh, disciplined or, you know, the discipline has a bad name or bad rap. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about a divine discipline. And that struck me when I first heard that him refer to a divine discipline. And Reverend Michael will talk about a bliss discipline. And so that divine discipline, that bliss discipline, is that first ray quality of aligning with divine will uh, when it's disciplined for love, for compassion, for peace, for harmony, for joy. And it's that devotion, that discipline that is devotion, that makes it possible for us to move into that second ray initiation where we're receiving the guidance clearly. We're seeing how the cause and effect law is operating in our world. We're seeing how all the cosmic laws are operating in our world. Until we're willing to discipline our mind, we can't really comprehend the cosmic laws because we don't want to. Because we're when we're not divinely disciplined, we're interested in rebelling against the, the laws and making our own way, being the God of our world by uh, being undisciplined and unruly, you could say, and working against love, against peace, against harmony, or doing whatever we feel like, even if it has a negative impact on others. So first, that discipline opens the door to us being in tune with infinite wisdom and seeing and knowing and feeling and hearing clearly what things are for. And then the the third ray 
so we're just going to spend a, a little bit of time on this because um, I, uh, in about five to seven minutes, I'm going to need to wrap us up or I won't have any lunch. <laughs> so um, I know sometimes we go way over. So today we're going to go a little under. I shoot for 90 minutes for this class. Um, so I'm just going to read what it says here about the third temple initiation, and then we can uh, take this into contemplation over the next um, time till the next class. The last class we have is the last Friday of the month. Um, yes. And I also want to reiterate, some months we will have three classes, some months we'll have two classes. <clears throat> so it is important to pay attention to the schedule. So the third initiation, those who have successfully passed the initiations of the second temple are taken to the third temple, the temple of love, under the great protection and guidance of the beloved Paul the Venetian. Here the neophyte must learn the discipline of unconditional love and harmony for their own life stream and for all other forms of life. They are placed in living quarters with those who have within themselves tendencies which are particularly aggravating to others. This is where the numbers of neophytes dwindle, and with great feeling of relief, many candidates rush to the door and leave us. To live peacefully with one's fellow men is one of the greatest tests of the unascended state. Although the graciousness, the beauty, the kindliness of this great master are so astonishing as to melt a heart of stone. The discipline he requires in learning tolerance, compassion, and understanding is such that few survive. <laughs> but they don't survive according to their own choice. So what I'm inviting everyone to contemplate is have you noticed in your experience that you are now or have gone through a period where you were living with someone, as it describes here, the, living with those who have within themselves tendencies which are particularly aggravating to others? Have you noticed yourself having that experience? So, you know, it might be for some of us that in a previous incarnation we got to the third temple and that's when we bolted for the door. Maybe again and again and again. So if in this lifetime you, you are particularly having um, a gnarly experience that of living with someone who seems particularly aggravating to others, Perhaps in a previous incarnation you got this far and you abandoned ship. And so perhaps in this lifetime you're having a more challenging time of it. That just that thought just came to me. And uh I've definitely had experiences of learning to live in situations that felt very aggravating, very difficult. And I was fortunate enough to see it as my initiation. And then to welcome it, 
open-heartedly, ah, this is my initiation, and I fully intend to go through it, to sail through it, and move to that fourth initiation. Does anyone feel like they have been through this initiation? They're in it now. They haven't had it yet. Anybody like to share? Us, Carla, I think I've shared uh, last year when I had my roommate. But my question is, I'm going to ask another question. Do you think they go in sequence? Because... I'm not sure I'm seeing that. I do. Okay, and I'm going to look with new eyes. Thank you. (laughs) I will say that I moved my mom in with me for two and a half years, and that definitely felt like an initiation. And when she left, it definitely felt like a huge healing on everyone's end. And I see the um I see the really beneficial effects of that healing. But uh it was definitely an experience of learning to not to transcend appearances. So transcend judgments and opinions. And um also transcend limiting uh beliefs about other people. Like I, I would get I would get pulled into my mom's own story of lack and limitation. And when I realized that I I was believing her, I knew I wasn't serving her. So when she left, what's happened in this year since she's left, a year and a half since she's left, is she's completely learned, taught herself, discovered for herself that she is so capable and so abundant. And miracles just unfold and unfold and unfold for her. And Mm -hmm. same for us. So... Um, but yeah, it was definitely an experience of like, uh, that was definitely my initiation for sure. Yes, it certainly seems like it. Mm -hmm. This is Mary Christine. And I know that this last 10 years was a, a journey that was God led and that it definitely was an initiation. And I, I really feel, I feel good about the fact that I've definitely moved through that. Yes. Yes. We are holding that for you. Well, to be continued be continued. I think the most important thing for us is not to judge where we are in the process, but to be grateful that we are in this process of initiation. We are actively choosing to be on an ascension pathway. We're actively choosing our awakening and our healing. Yes. And uh, I know I've said it before, I will say it again, that I encourage you to get the uh, Ascension booklet by Aurelia Louise Jones and to study it and to begin doing Ascension Ceremony. 
And if you would like to discuss this in class, we can. Uh, I do ascension ceremony every day. It's part of my practice. And I feel the difference because of it. It's not, uh, it doesn't have to be hard, long, or complicated. And it can be done simply. And it's very helpful, very healing. So I am going to pray us out. And I am going to share uh, the prayer for self-love and for ascension. From the Lord God of my being, I am that I am. I decree I have love for my journey into my ascension. I have compassion for all physical and emotional pain I am healing. I give thanks that I am now healing the past and resurrecting the new. As a master of divine expression walking the earth, I now turn on the light of my divinity. I now activate and transform my DNA to its fifth dimensional potential. I now choose to completely heal and rejuvenate my physical body. I choose to remain happy, harmonious, and grateful. I claim the mastery that is mine to manifest my freedom. I allow my divinity to manifest in a most wondrous way. I give thanks that it is done according to God's holy will. I call for shafts of ascension light to blaze through me daily and hourly. And so be it, beloved I am, beloved I am, beloved I am. And the song I'm going to play this week is, um, I love this song, it's called Living in the Moment by Jason Mraz, and have a beautiful weekend, I love and appreciate you, I love all the deep work that you're doing, I'm so glad that we're doing it together, much more to come. I also really encourage you to uh, listen to the Trust and Faith class classes that are on right now they'll be very helpful to you and we are going to begin discussing Quimby in the year two class and I, I think that's really vital to the work that we're doing here so I encourage you to listen to those classes as well it's part of why we only have two classes a month or possibly three because I don't wish to overwhelm you so there you go living in the moment Jason Mraz This life is one act. Why do we lay all these traps? We put them right in our path when we just want to be free. I will not waste my days making up all kinds of ways to worry about all the things that will not happen to me. So I just let go of what I know I don't know. And I know I only do this by living in the morning.
The moderator has left the conference.
The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID, followed by the pound key. Thank you. Guest ID accepted.